all the blessings of the Lord be with you at this particular time, this, this uh, pandemic situation that none of us have experienced before. But God will see us through. We're going to talk about that in an unshakable faith uh, this morning. I just want to pray before we start. Father, I just ask that, uh, for everyone listening this morning, whoever's going to be listening later on down with the, uh, the YouTube and the recording, that you open their hearts in a special way, that you reveal yourself who you really are, that you draw them close to you at this particular time. Father, I just ask for your anointing, your special anointing, your Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, guide me, guide my words, guide my thoughts. I just ask you to touch each one today in a special way, that you reveal them for those who are in fear, those who are anxious this morning. I ask that your peace will descend upon them now in a mighty way. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I'm going to be talking about uh, an unshakable faith. And the, I just want to mention, the I think I have a slide here of, of the director of um, Mark Brackett. Mark Brackett, as we see here on the screen, uh, Ph.D. He's a founding director of the Yale Center for the Emotional uh, Intelligence. And uh, he's been studying human emotions for decades. Uh, but he's never seen anything like this that's happening currently. And he said there's a major shift. Go to the next slide. And it says 95%. 95%. Of the emotions that people are coming up with, uh, talking about, are anxiety, stress, and fear. He's never, and that was a survey of over 5,000 people that he did. During this pandemic time, people are experiencing all sorts of emotions. And uh, he said there's only about 5% that are experiencing each day that, that are positive emotions. And, and it's not joy or happiness, but it's more like hope and optimism. That's what he discovered. And he, words, uh, he said, the minds are really being uh, upset with these events that are going on. And it's the first time we've seen it in our lifetime. But let me tell you, there's hope with God. In Hebrews chapter 12, 25, it says this. See that you do not refuse him who speaks, for if they did not escape who refused him, who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven. Verse 26 of Hebrews 12, whose voice then shook the earth, and now he has promised, saying, yet once more, I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Verse 27, now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of, of those things that are being shaken, as of things that are made, that things which cannot be shaken may remain. So the things that which cannot be shaken may remain. There's things that will not shake. And those are anchored in God himself. In verse 28, it says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. So, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, and that's what we're going to be focusing on, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, then it says there in verse 29, it's not on the screen, but it says, For our God 
is a consuming fire. Our God is a consuming fire. Now, the world currently is in turmoil. We have approximately 4 billion people in lockdown. There's a shaking going down because of an invisible virus. Uh, an invisible virus is coronavirus, as you see here, that is shaking the world. And it's invisible, and they're learning things about it every day. And they, the scientists, they're still learning new things about it. But it's shutting down the world. Just in the United States, 26 million unemployed, you know, file for jobless benefits. Food bank lineups, uh, supplies, uh, interruptions, and... Uh, we're seeing, of course, what is happening in the physical realm is because of what's happened in the invisible realm. See, God has laws. He has ways that we should be living. And then when people leave those ways of living uh, and go against his ways, there's consequences. And it's worldwide. Uh, we're seeing uh, the world is morally bankrupt. We started. We saw the 1960s in America be a real rapid decline in morality, and it's really affecting things in the physical realm. A lot of a lot of people don't make the connection that because of what's happening in the world, it's due to something that's invisible. But we're seeing this invisible virus. But there's invisible laws that govern the universe too. God's laws. And when those laws are broken, then there's consequences. But God is patient. He's loving, slow to anger, and he wants everybody to come to know him. But it just seems that with this moral bankruptcy, it just seems to be increasing where anything goes. Anything goes today pretty well. And what used to be called uh, evil is now called good. And what's called good is called evil. Isaiah talked about it in Isaiah 5.20. And so uh, we have to be aware that there's invisible things occurring in the world today. And uh, what we're seeing in the physical realm, it's due to the invisible realm. And it's the same thing in the spiritual realm. The spiritual realm is invisible. And when we break those laws, then there's consequences in the physical realm. Now, I want to show here uh, Cole Porter. Uh, got a picture of Cole Porter. He wrote many songs, and uh, he wrote Broadway songs. He was famous, uh, you know, for songs for Frank Sinatra and Tony Bennett, but what they didn't know is that these songs were written to his boyfriend, and uh, when it came the time to die, the invisible, uh, when it when came to his deathbed, the nurse asked what religion he was. And he said he didn't have any. None. None. That's what, that was his answer. And so his friend knew that his mother was a Baptist, a Protestant. And so he said, so the, the nurse asked, well, you're Protestant? No, none. And the friend knew, uh, so... The secretary said he just totally disregarded any faith whatsoever. And then the secretary, this is what she wrote, his secretary, says, without faith, 
One is like a stained glass window in the dark without faith. A stained glass window in the dark. In other words, you might have all the adulation of the world and be in the bright lights of the world, but if you have uh, no faith, you're in darkness. And before his death, he had all his pornographic material burned. See, he was heavy into those things. And, and of course, uh, his secretary said, now, how to reach this particular darkness is an enigma. She said, it was a mystery. And see, we're living in an increasingly decadent age. Now, in 2 Timothy 3, 1, it says this, but know this, then in the last days, perilous times will come. Would you say that we're in perilous times right now? It's perilous times will come. Now, that word perilous, as I have here, it's only used twice in the New Testament. It was used in another place in Matthew 8, 28. And this is concerning the demoniac person, a guy possessed by demons, and nobody could control him. He would break the chains. He was living in the tombs. And it says, when he had come to the other side, to the country of the Jerdesenes, there met him two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce. You see this word fierce? It's the same word as perilous. Exceedingly fierce or exceedingly perilous. That's the way they translate it in uh, Matthew 8, 28. So that no one could pass that way. If you read that story, uh, it just shows that no man could tame him. Nobody. And so that's the same word, perilous. And so the depraved mind that he was in. See, when nations leave godly principles, uh, like uh, then there's consequences. I, I lived in Europe for a year and a half, and then I saw all these huge big church cathedrals all over uh, Europe, but empty, nothing going on. They've left God completely. And so man, when, when God has moved out of the picture, the human race will just go in the direction that their inward heart takes them depraved nature. Now, the, the depravity of man, it has nothing to do with man's estimation of himself, but God's thus estimation of man. See, God is totally holy. He's different, completely different. But man has his own. He makes himself his own God, and so he said, well, I'm a pretty good person, but as compared to what? If you're comparing yourself to other humanity, then you can look pretty good. But when you compare yourself to God's standards, you're way off the mark. And so, well, just an example, and there was one porn site on the Internet. Now, this is just, there's thousands of them, but this is just one porn, pornographic site on, on the Internet, and they stated that there was over 5 billion hours of porn were watched. That's just on one website, and over a quarter of that, of that watching was done with children. So this is, this is depravity. This is what happens when a nation leaves God. This is the direction they go. See, in Proverbs 14.34, it says, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. And that word reproach means a disgrace. We just did a survey. Now, how do you stand up in these perilous times? I go on 
probably write books about what's going on in, in, in the world. But just a, a recent survey in New Brunswick of students, I think it was a survey of a couple thousand students, 48% had anxiety. 48%, almost half. And that was before COVID-19. Imagine what it is now. In 2 Timothy 1.7, says this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So, not a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of a sound mind. Or self-control is another tra translation. And so, Jesus wants to be with you in the storm. We are in a storm right now. And we haven't seen... We haven't really seen the economic consequences. Some already have, where businesses have closed because they just can't continue on. But there's going to be a, an economic storm afterwards. But Jesus wants you calm in the storm. We're going to look about Jesus in the storm, Mark 4, 35. And it says this, And on that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Let us go to the other side. Whose idea it was to go to the other, other side? It was Jesus' idea. And a great storm, a wind came up, and the waves came into the boat so that the boat was now becoming full. And in verse 38, it says this, And he himself was in the back of the boat sleeping on the cushion, and they were awakening him, Master, is it nothing to you that we're in danger of destruction? Uh, so here's Jesus he was in the back of the boat, the stern, and sleeping in a storm. Uh, I think that's sort of an image that we can get hold of, that in the storm, Jesus is at rest. And uh, notice the, the back part. It's the stern part of the boat he was in. That's where they have the rudder in the stern part. That means Jesus is in control of the direction of the boat. God is in control. It's not out of control. He has everything under his control. And yet, a lot of the things we experience on the earth is due to the breaking of God's laws and consequences of people going their own way without God. But he's still in control. One day there'll be a peace. All you do, read Revelations 20. It talks about peace for a thousand years where he will reign. And so there's no panic with Jesus. God is not panicking. And uh, he's in control. And He's calling you to have a relationship with him. And so in verse 39, Mark 4, and he came out of his sleep and gave strong orders to the wind and said to the sea, peace, be at rest. And the wind went down and it was a great calm. And then he said to them, why are you full of fear? Have you still no faith? So you see this fear and the faith contrast here. So they had a, a faith lapse there in the storm. So we're in this pandemic storm now, and God wants you to have a faith grabbing onto him, being attached to him, walking with him, abiding with him. And where he abides, there's peace, there's calm. But it's when we get out of that uh, that, uh, that we get anxious. And so we see this contrast of fear and faith, storm, in obedience. See, they were obeying the, the apostles. They were in the storm because they were obeying what Jesus said. He said, hey, let's get in the boat, go to the other side. It was his idea. So he knew what was going on. 
God knows everything to me, uh, what's going to happen. See, what happens is that we can get our eye on the storm and get our eyes off of Jesus. Just like Peter, when he walked in the water, he, was walk, he actually walked in the water, he walked towards Jesus. Then we saw the waves, he started looking at the waves, that's when he started sinking. So I think these are images for us. You know, uh, faith says this, true faith, real faith says this, God is enough. God is enough. When you're attached to him, no matter what is going on in the world, God is enough. Place your trust in Christ. See, in the pandemic, God is enough. So it's new to the doctors, and this is all new to us, this pandemic situation. And we should be aware of the ramifications of the storm, but not to be overwhelmed by it. Do what they're suggesting. Wash your hands. Do the distancing. There's precautions we got to take also. Uh, beware of consuming thoughts that come, overwhelming thoughts that can come in. And uh, just block out what really God wants to do. See, here's the thing that I've noticed. The devil will try to get you to figure out the future. What's going to happen tomorrow? And he gets you to do it by studying prophecy to the neglect of developing a relationship with him. So you focus on the mark of the beast, well, the six, 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 and seven. So what? Stay close to Jesus. And when it does come, you're going to be all right. It's all right to know about those things. The church has been taught about those things. But if you just focus on those things, you'll go down for the count. Just focus on your relationship with him. See, most of the church, they've heard about these warnings. Now it's time to fix our eyes on Jesus. We see this in Hebrews 12, 2. It says this, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Jesus is sitting down. So we should fix our eyes on the one who's sitting down at the right hand of the Father. He's the author and the finisher. He's the one who begins, begins your faith. He carries it on, and he perfects it. So there's a choice. You can look at the storm or look to Jesus and be overwhelmed. Or look to, look to the storm, be overwhelmed, but look to Jesus and have the peace. And so it's all new to us. It's new to me. And so I'm just trying to focus on the Lord. And uh, we have to look at Psalm 103.19. It says, The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So we say, well, if his kingdom rules over all, how come there's so much chaos? Well, I try to explain that. We live in a fallen world. Uh, man decided to go his own way without God, and we're seeing the consequences of that now. So Jesus says this. There is a calm to be had. You know, in God's government, there's no... There's no alarm, there's no disorder, there's no disturbance, there's no hurrying to and fro. There's a calm, there's a peace there. And it says in Isaiah 26, 3, it says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And uh, in John 14, 27, it says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Now, it says here, not as the world gives. See, there's a peace that the world gives. It could come in a pill, could come in a bottle, could come in relationships, but it's only temporary. There's a peace that lasts, and that's the, the peace of Christ. Now, I remember there was a, uh, 
there was a contest years ago, and there were, it was a painting contest, and it was going to be a big prize, and the person had to draw a picture of perfect peace. Some people, they did sunsets with mountains in the background and calm waters and just trees, you know, just basking in the sunlight. But the prize that was won was the following. Can we just show that picture, please? This is the prize it won. It was a little bird by a roaring waterfall, content in his nest by the roaring waterfall and all the noise and the mist and everything like this. And that's the prize it won. And this is what God wants you to have, that in this pandemic storm, you can have this peace in the storm, just like this little bird. And so we can, that's what God wants for you. In this economic turmoil, it'll be coming down the road. We don't know how it's going to be. But we know there's trillions of dollars that, are, uh, that have been spent. I've talked with people who have pension plans, and they've lost 50% or more of the value of their pension plans, and they don't know what they're going to do. But we need Abraham's faith. Abraham's faith. It says here, Hebrews 11.8. Just want to put that on there, Hebrews 11.8. Put it on the screen. It says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he is going. Now, I don't know where we're going in this pandemic. I don't know all the ramifications of it. But all I know is that if we stay close to Jesus, he'll see us through. He's our guide. I don't know the depth of it, but from what I can see and gather uh, and, and just information I've read, and, of course, uh, we have to know that the nations have broken and left God broken his laws, and there's always consequences, but God will see you through the storm. In Mark uh, 8.36, says, What shall it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? See, we don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know someone who holds tomorrow, and his name is Jesus. In Mark 6.8, it says, Do not be like them, for your, your Father, it's your Heavenly Father, Knows what you need before you ask him. So your father knows what you need. He knows what you need before you actually need it. So during this storm, this pandemic storm that we're in, we, we, I think we're learning what's really important. And it's not the NHL hockey stars. It's not the Super Bowl stars. It's not the baseball league stars. And uh, it, it's, uh, we're seeing what's really important now. And uh, I just this week, I was in a, a grocery store, and a cashier asked uh, the customer just to respect the line. He was ready to put his groceries out on the thing, but he was getting too close to the other person. He says, can you just step back? The man got all angry and threw his basket of groceries on the ground. You know, So we're seeing emotions now being affected by what's going on now. No patience. And so... Uh, we have to be aware of those. At the dollar stores, regulations, no distancing like that. Well, the police had to go there, five policemen, and uh, to calm some customers down that were 
getting out of hand. See, emotions are being stirred up. And we have to, Jesus wants you to be calm during the storm. He's the one who can calm the storm. It doesn't say that he will calm the storm in all your situations, but he'll give you calmness in the storm. Big difference there. Hebrews 12, 27. Yet once more indicates the removal of these things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things which cannot be shaken may remain. Say, if you're just focusing on things that you can touch and taste and move and bank accounts and pension plans and cottages and education, all those things that are made, they'll be shaken. But there's things that cannot be shaken. Verse 28, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And so that realm that cannot be shaken is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Knowing him, knowing him, staying close to him. And, uh, and of course, the kingdom of Christ and all the eternal spiritual blessings that are connected with him. The things are going to be shaken. There's going to be job losses. Believers are going to be suffering too. We're going to go through it too. I, I just look at right now at persecution of Christians has been the highest it's ever been. I mean, millions of them. And uh, they've lost their homes, their jobs. Members have been killed. And, but Isaiah 48 says, 42, 22, there's no peace, says the Lord, to the wicked. But we're gonna, we can receive with Christ a kingdom that cannot be shaken. God's kingdom. And in Romans 14, 17, it says this, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So he says it's not physical things, the kingdom of God, but it's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. There's a peace in the Holy Spirit. That's one of the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, 22. And so what is happening now, I've noticed, is that some people that have been in the church, they're coming to a realization that they weren't firmly established, established in Christ. They realize, they're coming to realize that their faith was very superficial, and now they're coming to a deeper relationship with Christ. So that's all good. See, there's a lot of counterfeits out there too, counterfeit religion. And then Jesus said in Matthew 24, 4, says, watch out that no one deceives you. So the most important thing for the disciples is not that they uh, knew when the things would happen, but he said not to be deceived. You stay close to the shepherd, you won't be deceived. You obey the shepherd, you won't be deceived. And so in, in 1 Timothy 4, 1, it says, the spirit, spirit clearly says that in the latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. There's a whole gospel in North America that said God wants you rich, he wants you healthy, and you shouldn't be having any suffering. Totally opposite to what the Bible teaches. But tens of millions follow these, uh, these teachers. See, so we're going to need to get to know the voice of the Lord, get to know the voice of God. Suffering will happen to the believer and the non-believer. Some false teachers, they just say God wants you healthy and you shouldn't be suffering anything at all. It's totally opposite to what the scriptures teach. If you look at Hebrews 11.35, 
It says, women receive back their dead. This is a chapter of faith, Hebrews 11. You can read it. It says, women receive back their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured and refused to be released so that it might gain a better resurrection. Those are the believers that were tortured and refused to be released. Verse 38, the world was not worthy of them. They wandered in deserts and mountains and caves and holes in the ground. These are the believers. And uh, these were all commended for their faith. Yet none of them received what had been promised. Verse 40, God had planned something better for us so that only together with us they would be made perfect. Now, one thing I see it going on, all this the false teaching, the hyper-faith and all that stuff. One, uh, the biggest hyper-faith teacher declared the virus was dead. Declared in front of the whole, the whole world. And uh, after you declared the virus dead, the dead, there's more dead people from the virus. So nothing happened. Of course, when you have false teaching, where you teach you that we're little gods, of course, you try to declare things like a little god, it's not going to work. And so we have to beware of these. Pray for discernment in this hour of time. And so in Hebrew, here's the key right here. Hebrews 12, 25. I'm coming to a close. I just finished my introduction. No. Okay. Hebrews 12, 25 says this. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. God is speaking. God wants to speak to you. Jesus wants to have a relationship with you. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? So God wants to speak to us. He is speaking to us. He can speak through circumstances, the word of God, the Bible, through other people, through the church. So don't despise the Lord Jesus. Believe in him now. Jesus is speaking. Don't refuse his voice. He will guide you in the coming days. We don't know what's going to be happening tomorrow. James talks about that. But we can have a relationship with the one who knows what is going to happen tomorrow and walk with him. Just want to close off uh, with these verses here. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Here's Proverbs 3, 5. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. If you try to figure out on yourself what's good, what are you going to do next and what are you going to do a week from now, what am I going to do with the food, what am I going to do with job loss, I don't have income coming in, trust in the Lord. Give your life to Christ. Ask Christ to come into your heart and, change. and, and repent. Stop going the way you're going. Turn around and submit your life to God and let him guide you in the direction. Now, the other verse it says here, Proverbs 3, 6, it says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. What some people do, they just say, in some of their ways. God says, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make straight your path. He makes your path straight. He wants you to be dependent on him. He wants to draw you into that dependence. And I think sometimes he allows circumstances well, we can't figure it out. So we go to him, and he will guide us. So if you don't know the Lord Christ, and he's knocking at your door, open it up and allow him to come in. Allow him to change your life.
just acknowledge him. Acknowledge that you've gone wrong, that you've gone your own way without him. And just ask him to come into your life and give you a new direction. May the Lord richly bless you. And may he guide you. And may his presence be with you. God bless you all.